What is the difference between being punk and being a punk? We are here to talk some punk rock, some music comics. Punk culture, DIY shit, anything we want to talk about. That's, that's what fascinates me. Give me everything. Absolutely everything. I find that, that music and comics have always been intertwined. Muxbout. Chicks dig it. Don't worry. <laughs> Hello and welcome back to Muxbout. This is episode 840 um, <laughs> or something. I don't know. We never keep track. Uh, yeah. Uh, unfortunately, Eric isn't with us today. He's at C2E2, which is like a huge comic convention. Um, and he's kicking ass with uh, our uh, ghost co-host, uh, Chuck Pino, who occasionally shows up. Uh, so they're uh, selling comics and, uh, you know, being generally awesome people. So uh, today it'll be John and I. Uh, welcome Hi. back, John. Howdy. Nice to be back. And uh, we're going to be talking with uh, Imogen, uh, who's a friend of mine. Hi. Uh, we met at a uh, punk show last spring, I think it was. Definitely, like about a year ago now. Yeah. Crazy. Yeah. Uh, and that was a show for Bitchfest, uh, which is an all-female a music festival that gets put on by uh, an organization called Save Toronto Music Venues here in, here in the city. Um, and uh, yeah, I was filming and you were filming and we kind of just like, we're like, oh, hey, we're we're doing the same thing. Let me know if I'm in your way. And then we struck <laughs> up a conversation and yeah. Uh, exactly. Why don't you tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Yeah, um, so I do, my name's Emission, like Ben said, um, I do music concert photography in Toronto. Um, and with a little bit of a dive into other parts of the arts as well. Um, a lot of my like background, so to speak, is in graphic design and illustration, um, which has sort of led me into the realm of like filmmaking as well with like the digital media. Um, I have like an interest in like lyric videos and animation. And like, I just want to be like in all parts of like the band scene, like that sort of like visual media for music and everything. Um, as well as like storytelling. Um, I think I'll always have like a route back into creating characters and designing a brand around something entirely fictional. Um, so yeah, I'm like super excited to be here and talking about this stuff and talking about my art and what I do for it. So, uh, so you're an illustrator as well. So, um, you know, the other thing that we talk about a lot is comic books. So is there uh, like a comic connection in uh, in your life or is it kind of just been ships passing in the night? Um, I have a lot of interest in like, I start off with like an interest in like manga. And I think a lot mm. of people have like that interest, in, like Scott Pilgrim, like that kind of like the very popular sort of graphic novel um, vibe. Um, and but Fullmetal Alchemist is like a huge influence on me as far as a manga and like I love visual storytelling in that way um i think one of the biggest connections is like with film and comics because everything's done in a frame and it's all about like trying to figure out the pacing of things um and i've always kind of thought about that connection in an interesting way of i don't know if you ever like studied comics or read like scott mcleod's like comic book thing he kind of talks about the pacing and how it's just an abstraction of yeah. what everything is i'm sure that comes up quite a bit with comics but um, mm -hmm. and how, but filmmaking is really just the same thing. And that's how much you want to like abstract reality. Um, yeah, I mean, like I haven't really done a lot of illustrative work recently, but like, um, it's always there. It's drawing is always a peaceful place for me in character design. Everything. Yeah. 
I remember seeing uh, 300, uh, mm. which I think was the first Zack Snyder film. Um, and the first Zack Snyder comic film, I should say. And uh, I, I've always been a huge Frank Miller fan. And uh, I ended up seeing it in IMAX. And like, I have this like vivid memory of sitting and watching the the first fight scene when they're running across and the Persians are coming at them and they would slow down as the spear went through the guy and then it would speed back up again and the guy would jump over top of the other dude. And I remember right after I finished watching the movie, I was like, I have to check because that felt too, too like close for me. So I ran to the nearest chapters and found the 300 graphic novel on the shelf and flipped open to that part. And it was frame for frame identical and I remember thinking, like, this is the beginning of a new kind of stage for comic-based movies. Now Marvel has kind of changed the game a fair amount, but, you know, that that um, truth to the original material, like, really resonated with me. And I've seen a lot of really cool shit since then. But uh, in terms of filmmaking, um, what are your influences and your interests? Um, I think I've already mentioned it a little bit. Definitely Scott Pilgrim, like Edgar Wright. Right. Um, love Edgar Wright's work. Um, like always following it. I think Baby Driver was one of the films that I saw, and I was like, I want to make films like this. Yeah. Um, and like seeing something like that that's like so close to like a music video in a narrative sense, amazing. Mm -hmm. Amazing. And the whole way it was made with like the music first, and then they brought in, like then he figured out the story kind of based off of the music. So cool. Love it. Right. Yeah, and he has such a marriage of music and film. Edgar Wright just is an incredible force for marrying those two things. And uh, I think he did Last Night in Soho as well, which was also very yeah. similar, similarly visually stunning and just had that very vibrant music background to it. It's, yeah, people that can bring those two pieces together are just amazing to me. So, yeah, that's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, Definitely, like, and then, like, as far as, like, subject matter goes and stuff, like, Greta Gerwig, like, I love Lady Bird. I think every film student has, like, that little bit of a thing for Lady Bird. But um, it's just such a touching story. And I would love to mm -hmm. see sort of both, like, the drama as well as the sort of pizzazz and, like, such music-driven stuff, like, melded together in a story. I don't think we've had anything like that since, like, a John Hughes film. So I'd love to explore into that. <laughs> That's very true. Yeah, it's been a long time since there was a movie that touched your heart and also had a killer soundtrack, um, like Breakfast Club, you know, that kind of thing. Like it's, it's, it's a, I don't know why that changed. What do you think happened? Do you I think it was like, mu like music rights became difficult yeah. to access? True. That's like probably I, different. We were actually just discussing this before you came on. Is like mm -hmm. some of the older films, like we were talking about the old Christian Slater film, Pump Up the Volume, where mm. there's just so many great songs that people brought into film back in the day. But now, if you rebroadcast something, you have to strip a lot of that out. You can't like show it in the rebroadcast. And sometimes either it's dumbed down and there's no music or trying to replace it with something that has that same vibe to it for cheaper and it i think a lot yeah. of people got scared off of that so that's just a guess i i'm not an expert but that seems to be where people went because things like return of the living dead and repo man they just had an incredible punk soundtrack to them 
but then you go watch it on TV and it's just like, I, and I don't know half of this music anymore. So yeah, <laughs> yeah, people definitely get scared away a little, I think. Yeah. I Do you know the movie Pump Up the Volume? I have not seen it, no. Oh, you, yeah. I think you would genuinely love it. It's, um, it's about a high school kid who moonlights as a pirate radio DJ and he has like a ham radio broadcaster in his basement. And uh, he just plays all the music that they won't play on the radio and kind of like incites a little bit of a, a teenage rebellion in his, in his town to the point where I think it's the principal of the school starts like getting involved with the police and trying to hunt down who this secret pirate radio broadcaster is because he like alters his voice and stuff. And, uh, and like then there's this bit of a cat and mouse thing where he's like going to school and it's sort of like a, an alter ego where he's going to school and ev everybody's talking about him, but no one knows it's him. It's an amazing movie. I love it. That sounds so fun. I'm definitely going to yeah. give it a watch. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I was wondering if it's something about like people don't take as much risk with music as they used to, like how many songs mm -hmm. became famous from films. Um, but now it's very much like people cling on to the songs that they want. kind of thing. Hmm. Interesting. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's a bit of a chicken or egg thing, right? Like, mm -hmm. um, you know, this is something that you and I have talked about. It shows a fair amount is like the collaborative uh, aspect of the scene, you know, with a capital S, how like it's a bunch of different parts kind of coming together. And um, we tend to remember the bands, but there's so many other things that get involved in that, you know, um, you know, think about all the albums that you know, you weren't into music, but you went to the record store, you were just scrolling through and you're like, oh my God, that album cover is so sick. Yep. And you turn it on and when the album cover matches the vibe of the music, it's like, it, it hits you special, you know? Um, and uh, that's part of the scene, you know? And, you know, the way we met was filming live shows. So I was hoping to talk to you about you know, you have a cinema background and, you know, that's what you're in school for now and you're making music videos now, but um, like blocking out a narrative is very different than, you know, taking photos of a live, like organic uh, event. So um, like, what are the, what are the pros and cons of each, would you say? Yeah. Um... I think like what I really like about music photography is that you go in and you're kind of a little bit unprepared. Um, you can prepare, you can like look up, the, you can listen to the music, you can like try and figure out what the vibe's gonna be like as much as you can. But like, no matter what, you're never gonna, like it's pure luck if you're in the right place at the right time to get that photo most, for the most part. Mm -hmm. um, and like I, that kind of reaction is so much fun. And um, having to sort of, um pure improvisation is like what makes it enjoyable um and then on the other hand film is somewhere that you're like 100 percent trying to plan um like i'm currently in the editing process of my first music video and i'm realizing oh we should have gotten a close-up of the of you know the bass at this one very specific part of the song um because mm -hmm. that would have just emphasized everything in the music video so much better um mm -hmm. But it's like, those are the kind of things that I'm only learning through experience and then like redoing it over again. Um, and like looking at it in hindsight, it's so much easier to think, oh my God, I should have planned for that. Whereas like, and like film really requires that super intensive planning. 
Um, both of them definitely have their like pros and cons. So like neither one is like 100% better. But I also think like the documenting of an experience of like an energy is what draws me to both. And like trying to sort of match a vibe. I don't know. I was in a conversation yesterday with a director um, and I was saying how I love doing photography because I'm capturing a vibe and I love making and directing because I'm creating the vibe. And mm. so I like being on both ends of that spectrum and like trying to see how they can kind of play into each other and what can come from both. So how do you approach um, uh, capturing as opposed to creating the vibe? Like what is the difference in your mentality when you're walking in? Um, both, I will say, have a lot of anxiety. Both are very scary. Um, <laughs> but um, I definitely like um, just being like really loose when I'm going to concerts. I think like going to concerts is like, and doing like the photography and everything is a little bit just like, like you're hanging out. You're there to mm -hmm. just sort of um, have a good time. Like I said, it's just like really fun. Um, whereas when I go to like, when I'm making a film and I'm going on set, it's a lot more, um, focused and uh, it's definitely like a little bit more like a professional mindset. And, um, people said like me on set is like a very, like blinders are on and like, if anything mm. gets in the way, like you're, that's, that's it. Like you're being written off, but <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't know, but it is like, it is definitely like a different prep for both. It's definitely like a loose versus like a very much like a focused kind of energy, I think. Yeah. So the last time we talked, you were working on a music video. Mm -hmm. uh, so uh, do you want to plug the band or talk about the, the, the music that inspired you or anything like that? Yeah, it's our friend uh, Narima, who I'm making the music video for. Um, yeah. So yeah, we've been working together on this since January um, when like it's sort of a school project, but it's really become a little bit bigger than that. Um, and, uh, yeah, we've spent like three days on set together and it's been a lot of back and forth. Um, Yurima is just released their single bad ending, um, which is the song that the music video is for. And it is a banger. It's like so good. Um, so yeah. hopefully it'll come out in a month. Um, the music video, that's the goal. Awesome. Um, but yeah. Are all the shoots done? Like, are you doing editing now or like what part of the process are you in? Just strictly in editing now. Um, so we're hoping to be like picture locked, quote unquote, by the end of the, this coming week. Um, but we've just had a little bit of a mix up with our editing. Um, my editor's a little bit okay. annoyed with me, but like, um, <laughs> speaking of like comics and everything, um, Narima kind of came to me with the idea of superheroes and this idea of like betrayal that goes into their song. Um, so we've decided to lean a little bit further into the comic book vibe. Um, cool. Hoping will be really fun. Be really cool. Awesome. Yeah, uh, Narima are always fun, man. I I love playing with those guys. They they have just such a great energy, and uh, yeah, there's um there's like an enthusiasm that you don't get once you get past thirty that they have. <laughs> That's the only way I can describe it. <laughs> they just like they're loving every second they're on stage, and it's just fun to watch. For those uh, of us yeah, that are aren't familiar with the band, what would you say their style is? Basically? Yeah, how would you describe them, Imogen? Very pop punk. Okay, cool. Yes. Yeah. 
Yes. Yeah. But like the uh, best, I think like bad ending is like the perfect pop punk kind of uh like anthem. Like it cool. has the energy down. It like the lyrics are solid. It's it's a really good song. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, they're great songwriters too. That's the thing is like the lyrics are always um very like poignant. I would say it's not just about silly stuff. Like they're they they're trying to deliver a message with their songs. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So if if you're looking for a good show, check out Narima. They're top shelf. They're playing on Friday. Oh, nice. Where? Yeah, at the Horseshoe. Oh no way! They're yeah. playing the Horseshoe. Amazing. It should be really fun. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. Now they get to play twice. Now I'm a little jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Very cool. So, um, you are in school for film. Is that mm -hmm. correct? Yes, yeah. So I'm at Sheridan for Best Ways of Film and Television. Um, it's been a long, almost done three years. It's been a long journey, but we're getting there. Yeah. So, you know, I I know a lot of people that love movies. Not a lot of people that go to school to make them. So um, what was it that convinced you that this was the right path for you? Hmm. Um, like I said, like I did a lot of, I did a program on like illustrative and like graphic design work before I started in film. Mm -hmm. Um, and I don't know when I started, when I was doing that, I got, I was really involved in it and I really loved like painting and everything like that. Um, but I kind of realized I was a little bit lonely doing it. Um, mm -hmm. and that I really like working with people and being involved with people. Um, and like, especially like leading and communicating um and film kind of felt like the perfect balance there of being able to work and engage with people um as well as like making art together and collaborating um there's this really wonderful feeling i had like it during the pre-production of the music video where i kind of realized i didn't have any sort of like imposter syndrome about it despite like mm. the fact that i was really nervous about leading this big project but because there were so many like creative and like strong individuals that were supporting me it was like all of my faith was on them none of it had to be on me as a director but it was all on them as like this really strong force this really strong team um and realizing that kind of like solidified that i was in like a good place to do this yeah very cool very cool so what is uh what do you intend to do once once the uh, the education side is is over? Do you want to do music videos, or is there like, do you have like a plan, or is this just like it's working so far and you're just going to carry it through? A bit of both. A bit of both. Um, I really do want to be like working in especially like the Toronto music scene. I really want to. Um, I love doing the concert photography. I want to keep that up um, with filming and stuff. I really want to be making music videos. I've enjoyed this process as well as like continuing to do more and like writing treatments for it and everything it's so much fun um i hope eventually i'll get back into the world of like narratives and like dramas and everything um but it's definitely like not my main goal right out of school um mm. i really want to just be like exploring style visually um and like supporting sort of the, the scene like the toronto music scene i think there's a lot going on here and i want to be part of it as much as I can. Yeah, um, maybe you could uh, offer kind of like an insight in how you see the music scene because I've been in it 
for 10 years now, like as a musician on the stage. And so like, I've kind of lost a little objectivity, you know? Um, and um, like, you know, when I go to a venue, I usually know at least the promoter, uh, if not the owner. And, you know, like all these people are familiar to me. So it doesn't feel as much like a scene as much as it is like going to work, you know? Um, but what do you what do you see about the Toronto scene that is sort of I definitely feel there's a vibrancy and there's like a, an energy there right now. But how would you describe like what you see? Yeah, I think the Toronto music scene is like extremely welcoming. And I think it has like this huge positivity um, that um maybe i don't think anyone lacks but i'm like I'm, i love to see forward and love to see like brought forward um in like every aspect of it um i love talking to people and realizing that everyone kind of knows each other in one way or another like across genres across every part of it um there really isn't like like toronto has the iconic venues and everyone wants to play at those venues and i think that that really helps give us like such a good like home base um for where everyone can like gather um there really is like a vibrancy and what i love is like how um like i said like everyone knows each other like across genres but i also think that there are like such important little pockets that really do create um sort of like a drive for people in different areas um i love keeping up with the hardcore scene it's definitely not where like a lot of my energy and everything goes but i love seeing what people are capable of and like the photographers there it only helps inspire me further in like my like the work that i do in like different genres and a little bit like in the software music and everything um i think like the whole scene is just like like i said like it's a really good community and extremely vibrant as far as supporting the other artists i haven't seen like one that really draws on photographers and really draws on like key illustrators as well for posters the same way, which is really awesome to observe. Yeah, that's true. Um, you know, doing the doing the photography and stuff and the filming, I there wasn't a single time that someone was like, oh, another photographer, really? It was always <laughs> like, oh, you're filming too? Amazing. Okay, I'm going to be over here. Let me know if I'm in your way. Like everybody just wants to be a part of the whole process. It's so cool. Uh, how did you get into the music scene? Like, what was your first show or like what inspired you to go come out and that kind of thing? Um, so I wanted to do like concert photography for like ages. And then like 2019, I used to live in like Kitchener, um, which doesn't have like a huge, huge music scene. Like, there's a couple venues, but nothing like wild going on. Um, mm -hmm. And so I like moved to Oakville for school and I started going to like a lot of like the sort of bands that I liked sort of indie bands that I was listening to, the bigger ones. Um, and then I just kind of realized that like, I really want to be doing this. Like, I really want to be like going to shows all the time and I want to be capturing them to some extent. Um, I liked filming, I already knew I liked doing that. So it was just a matter of, okay, how do I combine these things? Yeah. Um, I got to, and then eventually I got a connection with Sun Junkies. And in 2019, I ended up recording their like album release show. Um, and that was kind wow. of the first toe into that was the first time i shot anything so it was a huge event to be a part of for first time i think it was at the hard luck um and then i was like okay i'm really gonna push this i'm really gonna try to do it i updated my gear and then COVID started and there was yeah. nothing going on um 
so then it wasn't until last year, like I think like that show at Bitch Fest where Ben and I met was one of the first shows that I'd actually shot as like a solo photographer. Um, and I just sort of decided to message a band one day and said like, hey, can I come out and shoot the show? And they said, sure, why not? We'll put you on the list. And um, I just kind of decided to make that a goal, especially last last summer and through the fall. Like that was kind of like my main focus for a little bit was just trying to get my foot in the door. Um, huge shout out to Ash of Save Toronto Music Venues for like letting me shoot one of those later shows because it gave me a lot of encouragement for her to reach out and be like, hey, do you want to do this again? Um, as I was just there, like on one of my first, like I said, first ever shows. And then a couple of days later, she's like, hey, here's an opportunity for you just starting. It was really awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. Ash is, yeah, she's an inspiration. Like mm -hmm. she's, man, I just love people like her who they just, she doesn't have to do this. You know, she organizes all these shows and gets all these people together. And like everybody, she's always busy always and she's got her own personal life but she never like she's never like oh man i'm just tired today she's always <laughs> got a smile on her face and even when she's tired she's like i'm a little tired but we're here it's gonna be great yep. like i just people like that just blow my mind like how you're always that enthusiastic it's just amazing and what's her full yeah, name for, for those of that, that don't know her what's her full name so we can uh, ashley katia i think it's okay. pronounced Okay. Uh, yeah, she's uh, she's pretty hard to miss once you once you see her. She yeah. she's got bright red hair usually, and uh, and like a smile that's like a mile long. Um, that's great. And she's usually right at the front of any Save Toronto Music Venue show. But she's the the brains behind Bitch Fest. Awesome. Yeah, and people yeah. that are welcoming you into the scene like that are just such a wonderful force for the entire thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Exactly. So, what are some of the bands that? Uh, you know, like kind of got you into music in the first place? Um, as far as like shooting music and everything? Sure. Um, or just like mu music that you loved that got you to go to a show and then you started thinking about filming shows. Yeah. Um, that's a great question. Um, one of the first shows or like, oh, like those like indie bands that I'm like pretty into, like the tours that I was going to were like the regrets were a big one. Mm. Um, so yep. they're like, the best kind of like feminine pop punk energy, or at least that's what they used to be. Um, mm -hmm. And that was like such a good show. And it was just like a very, uh, there was just a really good like feminine energy in that room that I really, really enjoyed and really like safe and welcoming energy. Um, as well as just like the whole performance of their show. Like Lydia Knight has like some of the best stage performance ever. And they're definitely a band that it's like, okay, they're once again on the list of bands to like shoot. Um, they're definitely like very like LA based. Um, in Toronto, like getting to shoot Sun Junkies as well as the first shows, like that they were, I'd actually been listening to their music and everything beforehand. So that was amazing. Um, and like seeing the kind of energy that can be brought when there's like a huge crowd or like a very supportive community around a band. Um, and yeah. seeing like, yeah, like they're just having so much fun on stage. Like that's a huge part of it, a huge part of the draw. Um, who else is there? Beach Bunny was a big one for me as well. Um, all of these bands kind of have that sort of, they start some sort of pit, at least to an extent. And that's kind of part of the fun is seeing the audience react and be like, 
having your camera pointed one way at the stage is super fun. And then when you like turn around and you're like, oh my God, something's happening there. And you just yeah. like raise your camera up and you just start taking pictures as fast as you can, flash as much as you can. So good, so good. You never even know what you're gonna turn yeah. out with until you get home and you're looking through it. <laughs> yeah, this year, just some of the photos I've been seeing of uh, particularly Hamilton hardcore shows. Uh, I think there's a place can't the name off the top of my head i can't remember it's one of those ask a punk places where they don't tell you where it is but mm. it's like a like a, it's like an abandoned building of some kind that they turned into like a part skate park part venue yeah the and, kill room uh, i think it is the kill room that's what yeah. it is the kill room and holy shit some of the photos i've seen of that place i'm just like i want to get in the pit after looking at the picture on my phone <laughs> Like I have to like dial myself down when I'm at work, you know, I'm like, ah, I want to put on some heavy hardcore, you know? Yeah. There's definitely some enthusiasm there. And like, yeah, hardcore is always that one of those styles of music where uh, when I went to a couple hardcore shows back in high school, there was a couple people that would be standing in the back corner and I'd be like, so who are you here to see? And they're like, oh, I hate the music. This is just amazing. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it's a social experiment. Yeah. Right. <laughs> this is for my it's anthropology just, class. I'm just right. I think of them as like tornado chasers, right? Where they like they like just to stand on the edge of the chaos and just watch it unfold, you know? Yep. Yeah. Well, so you have is, your own podcast. Sorry. sorry, go ahead. Oh no, I was just gonna say that's just such an energy. Like it just you can feel it. Like not even just, you know, you said on your phone, but if you're there, it's just like it sucks you in whether you want to or not. It's just such a feeling. And it's like, 100%. especially for hardcore shows like that, that, those like frat boy mosh pits that kind of became in fashion for a while. But yeah, if you've got a true pit, that's such a good feeling, you know that anybody that falls down is going to get picked right back up and everybody's going to love you in that room. So mm -hmm. it's just such a positive force. Sorry, I didn't mean to yeah. cut you off before. <laughs> oh, it's okay. Um, so you have your own podcast. Right. Yes. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's called "This Must Be the Place," um, and it's about love songs. Um, yeah, I have like a guest on every week. We're on a bit of a hiatus right now. School is being a little bit crazy, but we're going to be doing a relaunch um, next week because um, it really only just started. Um, and I have a guest on every week, and we they choose three love songs i choose three love songs it's hosted on spotify and we just listen to them and we talk oh, cool. about them. oh mm -hmm. very cool yeah. so so you broadcast them on uh on the podcast yeah so uh spotify has a neat feature where you can work the song right into the podcast um so oh, okay, while cool. we're listening to it and then we stop listening to it and we talk about it like you're also listening to it so we're all in kind of like the same mood when we're like, very when cool the podcast yeah uh, well, uh, in that spirit, do you want to name a couple love songs that, that speak to you and like, tell us like, you know, what it is that, uh, that, that you love about them? Yeah. And then maybe definitely. we can go around. We, we can each do a couple. I would love that. That makes me so sure. excited. Um, <laughs> the, so the title of this podcast is this must be the place after the talking head song. It's definitely like what I think is one of like the greatest love songs of all time. I think it's so well written. It's so beautiful. It's really like just a genuine song. Um, I think like the reason why I focused on love songs is because I think it's the closest thing that our generation has to like a sonnet. And I think like 
making a playlist for some fans for somebody is like the closest thing that we have to like this huge declaration of love i think mm. it brings away brings art together in like such a like gentle um like personal way um without it just being like direct words or directly making something um so that's been a huge one um so this so yeah like this must be the place it's just like it brings up such a soft energy of like peace and like hominess that i think is really important to share with somebody um i'm bringing up my my playlist for this must be the place right oh, now great we speak so i can uh take a look at some love songs and what yeah i'm looking that. through my playlists right now so yeah. if, if you see me looking down it's not because i'm being rude i'm trying to figure something i'm doing out. it in my head right now yeah, yeah, scrolling through the music in my head i have a like a playlist of sort of um just sort of a stock of like my favorite love songs so like when i'm trying to pick them for people because i try to curate it to who i have on the podcast um based off of like what music i know that they like or um what i think they'll talk about um, mm -hmm. And so I have like a playlist that I like refer back to with, with all my favorites on it. Um, I have one that my mom showed me, um, Telephone Line by Electric Light Orchestra. Yeah. Uh, I think that's an absolutely gorgeous love song um, with a lot of like yearning in it and a lot of just like emotion in the voice. Um, mm. One of the other reasons why I love love songs is everyone has like stories with them um yeah i think they always bring back bring up emotions and memories and uh like a place or a time and um whether you want them to or not this is really fun um i agree yeah john you got any uh I was, I've got a playlist, but it's all. I totally put you on the place. spot, man. I, I know. I, I apologize. Well, I, I did find one. So it was an old John Prine song. It was, uh, She is My oh, Everything, great. or You Are My Everything. I can't remember which one, but yeah. Yeah. I was making a song for Holly. My wife just passed mm. away at the beginning of the year. So I've been making songs that remind me of her. So, and that was one of our favorites, and it reminds me of her. And, uh, I was also going to just make a point of you were discussing how playlists are kind of that love letter kind of thing for older folks like Ben and yeah. myself. Uh, it used to be uh, making mixtape mixtapes and ripped CDs. And so it's like it's definitely been yeah. a love language for many, many years. And I remember making tapes back in the day was huge was like I'd put little movie clip quotes in between for the you know the people that you love and it was it was it was it's such a love letter to somebody else even if it's just your best friend or whatever it just speaks to things that exactly that both of you have as memories that just ties you together and i i think it's just music is one of my biggest love languages so yeah absolutely yeah. agree with that so now ben will put you on the spot sure um well, uh, I'm going to go back to some of the music I was listening to last week. Uh, you know, I mentioned Emily Haynes and the Soft Skeleton in the past. Um, so Emily Haynes is the lead singer of Metric. But she also has her Metric. own. Yeah. yeah. She also has her own solo work. Um, she's an amazing piano player. And uh, she put out a couple albums back, uh, I think, early 2000s. Um, first one was called Knives Don't Have Your Back, and second one was called What is Free to a Good Home. 
and both of them I like you know it's it's rare for me to find albums that I will listen to for like years slash decades without missing a beat and one of the songs on uh, on what is free to a good home is called telethon and it it just reminds me of the the complications of being in a relationship it's about love but it's also about like we need to meet each other halfway you need to understand where i'm coming from and one of the lines i'm definitely paraphrasing it i'm gonna butcher it but i, I think it's mm -hmm. um uh when when she's when she said not when she says nothing's wrong it doesn't mean don't try to fix it i always try and think about that when i'm having a a, a disagreement with my girlfriend you know like just because things are okay doesn't mean you can't work on you know something you yeah. can learn from the experience at least you know um and uh, another one is teardrop by massive attack which i know is not mm. punk rock at all but man that song is just beautiful and that there's one line in there that it says uh love is a doing word which i always think about that like love is is an action it's not just a feeling you know and uh a lot of songs talk about the feelings and the the maybe the the longing or the loss but love is really like it uh it's an act it's a it's a thing you show right so yeah those are mine i'm gonna add these to the playlist oh nice <laughs> <laughs> definitely I don't, so, I just, sorry, yeah, go ahead. Go ahead. I was just going to say, I don't know. I just think love songs are such a good little peek into what a person is. Um, I think like the podcast kind of goes back to what you're saying about like concert photography and the way that it's a little bit more of like a documentation. I don't know. Like half kind of when I was like releasing it, I just kind of realized it was like this documentary on like my friends and where we are right now and who we are. And I don't know. I hope it can grow into a little bit of a thing to reflect on like you know years down the line we're gonna be like wow like that song was really important to me or like oh like, i know why that song was important to me. yeah yeah right <laughs> super looking forward to that but songs yeah. are such a snapshot at exactly it might be two years that you really really love that song but it is it's a snapshot of that two years maybe and it shows exactly where your head was at and it's it's sometimes that's beautiful to see exactly what kind of music you were listening to and what you know really mattered at the time because yeah you go back and if i dug out some of those mixtapes i made 20 years ago i'm sure it would be very different than what i'm thinking right now so it's wonderful oh definitely yep. yeah yeah i think about some of the mixtapes i made for people or the ones that were given to me as well like oh that was my favorite thing was when people would make them for me because um you know i've always been uh the kind of person who like i i i'm always looking for new music and so when you have that this is what i've learned is like when you have that approach to music all the people around you when they find new music you're the first person they want to tell because you're the one who's going to be into it and so i would get these mixtapes from friends or um you know girls that i was dating when they found out i was really into music and we would talk about music for a while if they were into it too they'd make me a mixtape and i I still have a handful of them and like, it's kind of awkward when I'm hanging out with my girlfriend and like, I pull one out and it's got a big heart on it. She's like, who's that from? And I'm like, <laughs> no, it's just good music. That's all. It's just good music. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it was just, it's, yeah, it's definitely a snapshot. I think about it in terms of recording as well. 
So like when I listen to music that I recorded, you know, five or six years ago, um, I'm far more patient with myself than I used to be in the past. I used to hate all my music. Um, but now when I listen back, I realize like there are moments where I'll hear something I'm doing. I'm like, oh yeah, I was listening to Tool a lot then. And I can tell that like the Danny Carey Tom fill was definitely in my mind or, you know, oh yeah, that was, that was when I was heavy into Led Zeppelin. You can hear the John Bonham groove in the background and that kind of stuff. Um, yeah, I, I imagine filmmaking has a similar thing where like you find an aesthetic and you kind of ride it for a little while and then it kind of, you kind of get whatever you need to out of it and, and evolve past it to some degree. Yeah, 100%. I think like with filmmaking, because it's such a long sort of almost tedious process um, where it's like so many, there's so many moving parts and there's so much to consider and like the pre-production aspect. Um, you can really get a lot of what you want to say out in like one piece, um, which is why I think it's so easy for people to like shift feelings and like it's like almost hard to become a director that has such a like complete voice in what you say um, because there's so much that can be said in one thing. Um, right. It's definitely like yeah, like it's definitely a very long term kind of process and like screenplays and scripts can take like years and years to write which like anything can of course um but then you would add on to like another year of like sort of pro like developing um like the visual style of it and then you add on even more time to develop like the editing style of it um it really can just morph every section can morph into different like pieces of one person i think um mm. and because of that, there's so much that can be drawn out in one piece, which is interesting. So how do you, like, how do you, um, is this, is this like a conscious process or is this something that kind of like reveals itself to you while you're working on it? Definitely a bit of a, a reveal. Um, yeah, like, um, last, uh, last year I made a documentary on, um, it was sort of about like gender and how sort of abstract the, like the concept of gender is. Um, mm -hmm. And it kind of, um, it started off as a very like, okay, we're gonna do these interviews, this is gonna be the storyline, and like, this is the point that we're gonna try and make. Um, and then later on in the editing process, um, I think maybe through some like personal reflection with it, um, it kind of became a bit of like an abstract art piece rather than being like mm -hmm. a very linear storyline. Um, for better or for worse, I've yet to know. But I think that's where it ended up going. And uh, the sound person had quite a hard time realizing that they suddenly had to make like a whole soundscape for this video that was not expected to have that. But they had a right. lot of it. Yeah. So how did it end up kind of shifting? Was it like, did you discover this as you were filming or was it after the filming was done and you were cutting it together that you were like, hold on a second um it was definitely after like we had filmed everything um i had given it to the editor i was going through um with documentaries a lot of like the writing process happens after you do all the interviews and everything um you kind of have to like piece together based off of just what you have um kind of like putting a puzzle together just like what you were given um mm -hmm. and so we i sat down with my editor and we've been like working away on like this very linear story for like two weeks and we were like you know what i think it's i think it's moving and then i woke up one day and i was like 
this doesn't work anymore. Like, <laughs> we're gonna, we gotta change this. And I was like, I got into her car. I remember getting into her car and I was like, Rachel, you're gonna hate me. And she was like, why? And I'm like, we're changing the whole film. And she's like, she's like, I do kind of hate you, but also I like the idea. So we're gonna do it. <laughs> um, so it's nice to like have that support with like, when you make a big change and you know it's for the best, it's it, it feels good, but it's also like, definitely need people to have your back in order to do that. People who are mm -hmm. in the work for you, yeah. Yeah, it, it seems like I've never been more than just i made one music video in my life and it was in one room and it was kind of a singular vision um and so we just kind of did what we were told for the most part mm -hmm. uh but uh it appears like filmmaking is a lot like being in a band yeah where you have these other members that are involved in the process and they're bringing their own aesthetic to it and if you come if you come uh, come at it from an approach of like this is the vision and you need to kind of mold yourself to the vision you'll get a particular type of person that will resonate with that but it seems far more organic than that from the outside at least maybe i'm wrong but it seems like uh when you're making like when people are filming you kind of have to trust their eyes when they're holding the camera to see what they want to see and then try and craft that into the narrative. Is that right? Yeah, a little bit, a little bit. Like you're definitely um, like, you're putting a lot of trust into the people that you're working with for sure. Like I'm no, um, like, and it's not like you couldn't do it all yourself, I think is also part of it. Sure. Like it's not like you couldn't, um, you know, put a camera with a mic on it and try and set it up and then also direct at the same time while you're doing the video. It, it's not impossible, but I think that that's one of the best parts about filmmaking is bringing in like these different voices. It really is like hugely collaborative and hugely like um, sort of a lot of moving pieces. And I think a lot of like being a director is like trying to figure out okay, who has that sort of energy or vibe that they already have in their work that will also help to serve me as well as who will add to it? Like who has something to bring of like their own craft um, that will add some interest to it? Um, so I can definitely see a similarity with like a band there. Like, I mean, I never really thought about it that way, but that's really cool. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So the director's role, like how would you describe it? Is it, is it like, are you managing personalities? Are you ensuring that everything follows the the script? Is it a little bit of both? Do you have to delegate or do you have to like control? Like how much how much of each? Um, I think it, it kind of depends, I think. Um, for me, I find it's a lot of delegation. Um, I'm just the, like, I want to be able to be like, I want to find people who will serve uh, sort of the purpose of what I'm trying to create and be able to like hand off certain things to them. Um, some roles that's never ever gonna work, but my good friend, Laura, um, she did the styling for Narima's music video. And I just said, can you design like the characters? Here's like, here's what the band member looked like. She went through their Instagram and she like looked at like what kind of outfits they usually wear and everything. And she just came back and she had designed these like full outfits for them and then collected pieces accordingly. But she, like it was very much like I let her have her freedom with it. And I think that um, that really helped like both of us kind of figure out a voice there. 
Um, it's a little bit interesting in like the early stages of this where like we have such young filmmakers doing this, like when you're in school and everything, um, because mm -hmm. people are still trying to figure themselves out as well. And like, I'm definitely yeah. still learning how I want to do this. And everyone's kind of like cautiously stepping, but also really wants to just throw themselves into it. Um, mm -hmm. So it's definitely like a balance there of, of all of it. Directing is like a lot of just like creativity though, for sure. It's like a lot of just, um, I don't even know if I'm the creative person or if I'm just finding creative people sometimes, but I definitely mm -hmm. do think like finding, figuring out sort of, I hate to use this word again, but figuring out sort of like the vibe or like the aesthetic or the atmosphere of a piece is a huge part of it, for sure. Hmm. Very cool. Do you have any questions, John? Oh, no, I was just soaking it all in. I, I just thought it was interesting that, you know, I think being, you know, somebody that's still finding their voice and everything like that and having, you know, the other end of it, both of you meeting halfway, you're not as rigid in your process yet either. So I think that's probably welcoming to a lot of people is they probably, since you're both kind of finding your voice, it's like, it's nice to meet halfway. You don't have a director coming in with preconceived notions and saying, you have to do it this way, this way, and this way. So that's probably a very, uh, it, it's probably eases a lot of people's minds to be able to work with somebody that's willing to like shift their creative process to meet them. So I think that's probably to your benefit. And I, I just thought that was great. So yeah, for sure. Yeah. I, openness is part of the creative process. And yep. like it, it's very rare that I find that the art I enjoy uh, comes from a really heavily kind of dictated place you know very often i find that like especially when i'm watching the show uh like a music show or even a television show i i feel like maybe it's just my ego convincing myself of this but i always feel like i can tell the authenticity of the people involved whether it's actors um whether they're embodying the character in a in a truthful way or whether it's musicians on a stage and like you can that's something that you can't deny when when the dynamic on the stage people moving around and like you know the the eye the looks they give each other and like the way that like oh the guitar solo is starting the bass player walks over and kind of like plays in front of him yep. and like it's a bit of a conversation you know like that kind of stuff shows the uh the openness of the of the artists involved and like that it's a collaborative process that it's happening you know everybody has their own uh you know it's like mo many heads on the body kind of thing you know <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah i think like yeah and i hate to like beat a dead horse but like that's the fun of it is to like bring together all of these pieces and all these moving pieces um and at the same time like that authenticity it's like i think that that's it isn't something that I'd considered before, but I think that's a lot of the reason why I like certain media is like, um, like I said, like Edgar Wright, it feels like there's a genuine passion for the music and everything that's involved in it. Um, and like, I always say like, I don't like comedies. Like I hate watching comedies. Um, but one of my favorite shows is Parks and Rec, but it feels like a show that has so much love in it and so yes. much genuine yeah. like effort into it. Yeah, totally. And it that's a show in particular where it feels like a lot of the funny is found in the filming like 
that it there's a lot of improv involved and so it was just like put these three people in a room they're talking about x go let's see what happens you know exactly and like a lot of the best jokes come out of that kind of thing i i watch i just started going on a deep dive of um it's always sunny in philadelphia because mm -hmm. now they have a podcast and they talk about the show and like they'll break down each episode with the the three creators and then they'll have guests on like they'll have danny devito or caitlin olsen or various other actors that were involved in the show and they'll have them on for a show for an episode that's like kind of about like kind of features their character and then they'll talk about the creation process and a lot of it is like they write and then they get to filming and then a lot of the ideas they have get fleshed out mid filming where they'll just kind of shoot the same thing four times and uh you know like one of the characters will have a joke and they're like oh yeah we got to do that and then someone will riff off of that. They're like, okay, let's film it. Let's shoot this one more time and have everybody, you know what I mean? Like, and then people start breaking and that kind of adds to the fun of it. And yeah. Definitely. Do you find it's difficult to kind of manage all that stuff or do you have like kind of a natural affinity for it? Um, I gotta say like directing or at least like on like the size of sets that we're doing, um, it's kind of my, liberty i suppose to get to go with those things um i think that those things like i really like embracing them and i think that they're really fun um i'm super down to do a shot again if something is working um like working with narima like they have so much such a fun stage presence and that was one of the reasons why i wanted to work with them because i was like they bring so much energy um and so we ended up uh like doing up like an extra day than we were supposed to um of shooting and like Lexi was performing, their lead singer, frontman of the band, um, she's performing. And I was like, okay, let's do it again from this angle. Let's do it again from this angle. Um, the other side of this is I have, like there's an assistant director, first assistant director, who is in charge of the timing and everything. And so mm -hmm. they were sitting there going, oh, we could wrap today three hours early. And then they started to see, oh, shots just kept on getting added and added and added and added. <laughs> and they're like, okay, now I get why we're not, why we're wrapping yeah. at 3 a.m. instead of 12. Like, <laughs> right. Yeah. And uh, um, so I really like playing with that, but definitely having somebody to keep you on track um, is important a little bit. And so it's like finding that balance, unfortunately, as an industry of like, okay, people's time and then like, you know, making the craft and making the art. I don't know. I think right. it's really fun to play off of what, like you said, like the authenticity, like the natural moments that come up. Those are the important parts. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Very cool. So you don't like comedies. Yeah, I don't know. I say that like broadly. I mean, that's, I'm not putting you on blast. I'm just curious. Um, it's very rare for me to encounter someone in film who hates an entire genre of film. <laughs> I wouldn't say I hate comedies. It's just like, I hate sure. people trying to be funny. I hate people, uh, yeah. yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. I do. I just, I, yeah, you know what? I don't want to be too critical, but I was at a, I was playing a show on Friday and uh, this is kind of a similar thing where this kind of drives me up the wall. I try and be polite and respectful about it. I think I do a pretty good job of being polite and respectful about it, but it kind of grinds my gears when it's happening where um, someone will start playing music that they, that they like. Uh, in this case, it was like the venue owner. 
and then they start going, oh, yeah, this song, this drummer, man, he was so, like, I just love this beat. And they just start talking about drums, like, trying to, there's a difference between talking about drums and trying to tell me about drums, you know what I mean? <laughs> and, like, that's the difference for me between being funny and trying to be funny, where it's like, are you going for the joke or you just find something funny? You know, and like a, a lot of times I find uh, you can tell if someone's ego is involved in the process, depending on how they give the information. So, yeah. And this particular person, it was the funniest thing. I, you know, I asked him, like, you know, do you play any instruments? He's like, yeah, I used to play drums, you know, and I was like, oh, cool. Uh, and he's like, do you play? And I was like, yeah, I play drums. He's like, oh, oh, OK. And I was like, this is like my fifth show here. <laughs> Like, I've literally set up the drums and asked you to sound check me before. What are we talking about here, man? <laughs> so it was like this kind of moment of like, are you negging me right now? Like, what is happening? <laughs> are we flirting? It's like <laughs> 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 to be fair, you don't know so, how many drugs he did right before that conversation. So you need to, you know, watch yourself. <laughs> hey man, if you knew the guy, you would you would not realize how accurate that statement is. <laughs> so your face might have looked completely different all five times to him. You don't know. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. He might have thought he was talking to it like a purple baboon at one point or something. See? So there you go. Ben <laughs> benefit of the doubt. You got it. <laughs> that's fair. That's fair. You're right. I was I was the jerk. You're right. My bad. Obviously. <laughs> uh, so could you uh, give me a couple comedy movies that you think are great so that we have kind of like a, a reference. Oh my goodness. Okay. Um, oh my God. I don't even know where to start. Um, Shrek 2. Shrek 2 Shrek is two. a great comedy, I think. Okay. Um, I know Shrek is a little bit of a meme. I know everyone's always making fun of it, but like. But memes are memes because they're amazing. Exactly. Right? And Shrek 2 has like such good, like, um, there's just like some really good like natural moments there, I think, and like um, even though it's an anime film, it's hard to tell, but it's really just well delivered and well done. Um, yeah. Ooh, I don't know about live action comedies. Like I said, I don't watch very many for an obvious reason. The obvious reason I'm not liking comedies. Fair enough. Um, but I'm really into. I don't know if you count uh, Ferris Bueller's Day Off as a giant huge film. Absolutely, Hell yeah. But, yeah. Definitely one of my favorites. Definitely one of the big inspirations in my filmmaking as well. Cool. So, so what is it about Ferris Bueller that it separates it from the trash pile, so to speak? I think there's like a um, like it's such a touchingness to it. Um, I think it's one of those mm -hmm. films that like going back full circle, like it's one of those films that has like balanced sort of the heartfelt feelings as well as this really fun energy to it um, that makes it both funny and also really kind of like like touching like it kind of pulls yeah. on your heartstrings just a little bit not too much in ferris bueller but like just enough to like get you a little bit um when you're like really paying attention to the characters um yeah i don't know i think like i think like an overlooked part of ferris bueller's day off is like ferris and uh what's her name Simone, like his girlfriend's relationship mm -hmm. i think it's so it's so endearing it's so sweet yeah I actually kind of like, I tried to approach my high school life, like what would Ferris Bueller do <laughs> to a certain degree? 
the reason being that like what I got from that movie was that Ferris, his friend, like his best friend who he hangs out with throughout the entire film, is kind of a bit of an outcast, even though he's like got a pretty decent life on paper. He kind of struggles and you can tell that he has uh, some some social uh, difficulties. And Ferris is like this, you know, gregarious and charismatic guy. And like, you know, the entire film is him just being himself and everybody going, look at that dude, you know, like. And so I I kind of thought about it, like, if you can be the person that everyone likes, you should also be the person who likes everyone. And so I kind of tried to approach high school through the Ferris Bueller lens where it was like, I want to find the people who have a little bit of difficulty hanging out and bring them into the circle and let's all be friends together. And like, you know, that, that, you know, that comfort, like, you know, that, that scene when he's in the parade where he just kind of just strolls through and like, okay, here we are. I like that comfort with just being wherever you are and just owning the moment. I love that stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I definitely think like just that film has this really good sense of like community and like happiness and like the fact that there's all like all, all the little bits about um even if they're just for comedic reason of like the rumors passing through the school it's also just mm -hmm. this idea of like everyone like rallying together and i think i don't know maybe i'm overanalyzing ferris bueller's day off too much but i think it's such a touching film i think it's really quite gorgeous Oh, it absolutely is. And I think going again full circle is like it did have the big musical numbers too. So I think yeah, that did. also ties it all together as well. It has everything you're looking for in a movie. So yeah, yeah it really does. Yeah. There's a reason why those movies, like, like you said, you know, Shrek 2 is a meme. Well, Ferris Bueller's a meme too, but like these things were memes before memes were a thing. That's got to count for something, you know, like, <laughs> you know, it's. You know, Shakespeare's a meme. <laughs> it's because it's, it's amazing. <laughs> you know, like they were able to do something that other people hadn't done yet. That deserves mm -hmm. some attention. So let's just end on uh, a positive note since we're talking about positivity. So what do you, you know, Desert Island, you have a million dollars. You can do whatever you want. What is the film you make? Ooh. Um, honestly, I would love to make a very much a coming of age film um, with a super like clean and like distinct sort of color palette to it. Um, that is about, I don't know, I have like this story floating around in the back of my mind that I really want to make into a graphic novel. Um, I'm not sure how well it would transfer into film but sort of based in sort of the same idea maybe the same world um about a guy who tries to start a band and that's really what it's about and it's about um these like very much like young people um like 18 year olds who are still trying to really find themselves in that age um like that little bit past when the most coming of age stories are when like you know you're in high school and everything a little bit right. past that that kind of gets like avoided a little bit um the quarter life crisis yeah exactly like the 18 to 24 year old range yeah. um that yeah like gets ignored and exploring sort of people trying to figure out who they are and especially like who your friends are in that mm. time um i think that that's a theme that 
don't know, I am 24 years old, so that might be why it's stuck around for so long. Um, it's sure. an idea I've been thinking about for a while, um, but I would love to explore um, just sort of exploring the music scene in a fictional way. How far can we push it as well? How far can mm -hmm. we push the music scene as well as like um, the emotions of, of young people? And that's obviously right up our alley. So if you know, yeah. we would re we would read the hell out of that book. If it was a graphic novel, we would watch it. If it was a movie, and if you need help in any way that we can offer it, we would be happy to help because a thousand percent. That is absolutely the kind of like crossover between music and comics that we love. So yep, yep, yep. I would and, love uh, to, sorry, I was gonna say I love to like share and explore more of it with you guys because it's kind of been the characters are all kind of floating. They're kind of it kind of feels like there's characters without much purpose right now, but they're they're finding it. They're figuring it out. Cool. Well, yeah. um, character is kind of my jam. I'm really good at the lore kind of thing, like delving into history and figuring out like what motivates and creating sort of a like a like a path behind the person you meet on page one. I'm quite good at that. And John edits comics for a living, so I'm sure he could help with a fair amount if you uh, if you're looking to collaborate in a in a different dimension. But we're not putting you on the spot. You don't need to hire nope, us. Nope, not at all. No yeah. pressure. <laughs> you do it whoever you want to do it, and we will promote the hell out of it at minimum. It's been like a solo project that I just kind of randomly drop into little conversations. So I mean, I think a little bit of outside force would be greatly appreciated. Yep. I think we all, right. all use that a little collaborative push once in a while helps all of us. Hell yeah. So. That's what this podcast is for. I think it keeps us, John and Eric and I, it keeps us on our toes and keeps us like motivated to keep uh, thinking about music and thinking about the scene and uh, connecting with people so that we can bring them onto the podcast yeah. and explore new ideas mm -hmm. and stuff. Like it definitely helps me in every other dimension of my life because it's an hour well spent every week or two weeks and uh, stimulates new thoughts and new ideas. And then I take that into the world and yeah, it's a feedback loop. A good one. Yeah. Well, thanks for, thanks for having, uh, taking the time with us, Imogen. You're yes, a fantastic you so person. Much. As I told you the first time we met. Thank you. And, I really uh, appreciate it. It's been awesome. Yeah. Really fun time. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I look forward to watching your podcast when it relaunches. Uh, can you say the name for it one more time? Yeah, it's This Must Be The Place. Um, it's on Spotify, hosted by Imogen J. Lister. So okay. And awesome. Eric's really good about, we have no idea what we're doing tech-wise, but Eric will list probably your podcast and everything else on the show page for us, too. Yeah, so. yeah no, we, we're terrible at this. So this is this is like we peaked. We, we struggled our way through an hour. So. <laughs> <laughs> exactly well thank you for awesome. thank you for uh being a guest and uh i'm sure i'll see you at another show in the near future definitely no, thank you guys so much thank you Take all right easy. thanks for watching everybody and uh we'll see you next week Peace. bye all right i gotta now i gotta figure this stupid thing out all right hold on a second <laughs> here i did it